Welcome to the Innovation Roundtable Insights Podcast. This episode was recorded at an Innovation Roundtable workshop hosted by Henkel in Dusseldorf in September 2018, where our colleague Leonard sat down with Johan Svenningstorp, Emerging Technology Program Manager at Volvo Group. Johan talks about the innovation framework at Volvo, focusing on the company's digital initiatives and the application of emerging technologies. During the conversation, he tackles the opportunities and challenges of merging the physical and digital world in the manufacturing industry. Johan, thank you very much for joining me in uh, my little interview studio here. Um, maybe we can start the interview by you just briefly explaining uh, who you are, uh, what company you work for and uh, what role you have. Sure. So, Johan Svanisorp, uh, I work with... Um, Emerging technologies. I belong to uh, Volvo Group, where we are, have a chief technology officer function. So, so our our department is working to support our CTO in the tasks he has to do for the Volvo Group. Um, and uh, my role is within emerging technologies, and especially collaboration with small small startups and so on, and trying to um, bring in new technologies and scout what's out there and, and see how we can collaborate with that. Maybe to start with, maybe you can give us an overview kind of how the innovation framework looks like or how the innovation processes look like and how your work also uh, plugs into that. Mm. Um, I could probably say the innovation process works in every way. There's all different types of, of innovation going on. And I mean, we're a big company and maybe that is okay then. Uh, because uh, it's popping up initiatives all over the group, uh, and that is fine. Uh, we are, of course, from a central function, trying to try to help, try to create some guidelines, try to help some templates, and you know, this is uh, good practices. Um, but I mean, in general, you can say we have the internal innovation, uh, where of course you have a normal, I would say, R and D work where you can get ideas and you can progress your innovations within the, the normal uh, product development cycle. Uh, but there are also one way where we see sometimes ideas doesn't fit in to our normal way of doing, then we need to find a way of handling those in, in a separate flow in that sense. Uh, and that is of course where we need to, to protect and, and incubate ideas a little bit before they are exposed to, to the big prioritization process. Um, And I would say the same thing when it comes to external uh, technologies and, and ideas and so on. Uh, sometimes they come directly to the R&D and product development cycle and they are introduced and might fit in just nicely. Sometimes they don't really fit in. Uh, and then we need to find a protected path where we evaluate and see if this is value-adding for Volvo in that sense. And just, just to clarify, a lot of the projects or initiatives you are working on have that different path. Quite I so, guess. yeah. 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 Um, but I think it's also important that whenever I get an idea, I don't by default put it into that path. I need to check, am I correct in my assumptions <laughs> that these won't fit in or, or something like that. So, so quite often we try to involve line functions and so on very early on asking them, is this something which is, you know, could come within your roadmap or could come within something of your interest even though it might not be right now and so on. And, and I would say anywhere on the path it might change. 
that if it needs to be protected, but then suddenly either they have changed the roadmap or they, the technology have grown so much faster that suddenly it fits. So, so it's a constant dialogue in between where what flow you need to, to keep it in, basically. I'm almost assuming that digital is a big part of the emerging technologies uh, you're looking into. Absolutely. And um, let me ask you now, Volvo is very, it's very tangible. You know, it's, mm. it's tangible uh, products that you have there. Mm. Um, how do you, what is the challenge in merging this physical world with the digital world and making kind of merging digital and physical? Mm. Volvo have more than 700,000 connected trucks out on the market today. So that means that we are today making a business out of uh, digital services, uh, which is kind of uh, the good thing. <laughs> um, we have a hundred years almost of producing trucks, which are tangible. <laughs> yeah. And that of course means that a lot of people are associating themselves with the tangible truck. Uh, but, but that doesn't mean uh, that there we are totally short of people that understand the digital services. And for me, I think it's sometimes uh, important not to forget the internal digital process, the way of working internally uh, with digital tools and you know the innovation on the internal process in, in internal way, um, because that will give the, the people working on these products uh, an understanding of what's possible, what's out there. And if these people also have a good understanding of, of customers' operations, what are the customer actually, their pain points and so on, uh, they can quickly translate their own knowledge to a service uh, to the customer. So I, I, I sometimes, uh, you can always talk about the value of doing internal innovation for your internal processes and so on, and you can do a you know, cost-benefit ratio and so on. Mm -hmm. uh, but I think it has a strategic value because it teaches the organization the value of digitalization. What are some of the emerging technologies that, that, you, that are currently um, interesting to look into? Or what, what are you looking into at the moment? Um, we are working into, I mean, one which is strictly digital would be, of course, artificial intelligence. Uh, I quite often say artificial intelligence is a hammer. <laughs> it's a tool. Uh, we tend to try to do the most difficult task there is with an artificial intelligence, and that is autonomous driving, um, which it might work for. It's still difficulties with it, but sure, it will help. Uh, but we sometimes fail to acknowledge the easy <laughs> ways of using this hammer. Uh, and there are so many places where we have uh, large sets of data uh, which is uh, have a good record of what is correct use of this data and what is wrong use of this data, uh, and we could easily start implementing an artificial intelligence to remove. Um, they always say automation should be on um, dirty, dangerous, and demeaning tasks, right? Uh, and I'm quite sure that we have so many demeaning tasks on some of our uh, work where an artificial intelligence could easily fit. What are some of the other areas where artificial intelligence is uh, interesting? Now I'm also thinking about the connected uh, fleet of trucks. Yeah, so the, the good thing about working with uh, 
commercial vehicles in that sense, because we do also construction equipment and marine applications and so on, is that we quite often have an industrial customer. We have a business-to-business quite often. Uh, they see quite immediately uh, you know, value on the total cost of ownership. Uh, and, and all these digital tools, I mean, if we talk fleet management, for instance, you can quite easily get a big payoff by doing optimization and seeing opportunities in, in the fill rate of a truck or, or the route planning of a truck uh, or uh, the, the way an open mine is run. So, so we have some of these opportunities where we quite easily can, you know, if we save 5 10%, it's a huge thing because we've been trying and really been successful so far in r- trying to get, you know, 2% improvement on a diesel engine. Uh, and, and that's a huge investment today to, to try to squeeze another 2% out of that one. But when it comes to these fleet management, there are so much higher uh, opportunities or higher percentage opportunities on total cost. Now, especially in the digital world since 20 years, I mean 30 years, uh, platforms, especially in the con- consumer space, have yeah. been quite powerful. Now you 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 are in the B two B space. Mm. Uh, what kind of those kind of platforms? What does it? What role do they play? Uh, I find it very interesting, and I, I've been studying this for a while. And uh, a long time ago, the army and the military used to be one who the one leading the technology development, and you know they could lead the development of a new radio communication system. And they w- would be able to say, these are the requirements, uh, build them, put them in a storage, and we are prepared for the war in, in 10 or 20 years. Um, they made this understanding maybe maybe 20 years ago and saying, we're not leading anymore. We need to find a way how we quickly adopt from other industry. Uh, and we then, who might be representing other industry at that time, uh, have felt that we are now leading. Uh, but suddenly, someone has run past us. Uh, and, and I think we still haven't really understood that. Uh, because if I, if I took about, you know, graphical interpretation or graphical visualization, the gaming industry is so far ahead of us. Uh, and we are still very hesitant to bring in an, an unreal platform to do, you know, animations or, or simulations with industry. Uh, so... Uh, we, I think if so, everybody thinks they know that they are behind, but they still don't trust uh, some of these uh, you know, gaming industry or social platforms and so on, that it could actually be value for them. But I think they've proven themselves time and again that they are ahead of us. How do you think that shift could work within a company like that to really try out those... Uh, partnering with the different industries that are not typically uh, automotive or even, you know, manufacturing? Mm. I mean, partly it's already happening, uh, and it's happening in in two ways. Uh, Because uh, younger people are coming into the the industry, and thereby they know what these tools can do, and they are using them on a daily basis and uh, and so on. Uh, They are, of course, also influencing their, their older colleagues by introducing these ideas and, and these older colleagues are are not lost causes uh, I think everybody 
who is older and so on, start seeing it and start to dare to try it in that sense. So, so that's uh, you know, just a fact that we are getting <laughs> uh, new blood into it. Uh, but it's also the fact that if you look at uh, all these gaming and so on, they are also addressing an older audience. They are now trying to create the tool so that it actually fits and creates value for, for people that has not used them before. So I think, uh, I mean, if you look at the, the average age of a gamer today, it's more like 35 than, than 20. So, so uh, we start seeing much more of the gaming industry also focusing on an older group of people and thereby um, start showing what they are capable of. This brings us to the next, uh, one of the next questions, which is about you know, what capabilities and skill sets do you need in your team, especially when you think about emerging technologies, and what kind of mix do you want to have? Mm. And, and, and I think the trend, especially if we're talking the digital trends, um, there's of course you know a lot of specialist knowledge, which is, is a, is a never-earlier-seen rapid transformation in skill sets. I mean, we are going from a skill set where we had a lot of people that know the tangible things, well, I know, mechanical engineering, you know, fluid dynamics, uh, uh, all these things which were hard and you can build on it, to uh, that the majority of the company will be programmers. Uh, so, so there's a lot of programming skills that need. I mean, we, artificial intelligence, knowledge is, I mean, it's out of the world shortage of people on that, obviously, right now. Um, so, so, that, so that is a... A, a radical journey we have to do, we have to retrain. And, and that is, of course, also something, since it happens so quickly, we need to understand that it's important to invest in education of people during their work time. The, the, the illusion of trying to first go to school and then go to work and then die is not really <laughs> feasible anymore. Uh, we, we really need to understand that you need to go back to school now and then, even though you learn things on the job. Uh, sometimes you need to go back to the school bench and, and uh, kind of get that knowledge. Um, so that being said, I still think it's also very important when you talk about these digital things, it's so much closer to the customer. If you used to be able to be a specialist on you know, frictions in between the piston and the wall and so on, and that could be your dedicated life, uh, that's fine. But when you're talking about a digital service, it is so much closer to the customer. So we need to understand that all our engineers, everybody who's contributing to the product or the services, need to understand the customer's pain points. And, and in, in our industry, at least, we've been very poor at that because we've created these barriers in between the ones designing and developing to the ones you know marketing and selling and meeting the customers. Uh, and we must understand that we need to break these down and we need to have a much tighter communication with the customer and, and this cool development and so on, on the digital side especially. On the physical as well, but especially the digital. Mm. When you think about the, the teams, uh, how, how, which kind of um, combination of people would you like or how do you assemble teams? And mm. Yeah, I mean, for me... It's a matter of the team. We, we're working very much now with agile teams and so on, and they are trying to, you know, 
work with the next package and have a responsibility for, for their function or, or their so on. But, but I think we need to find the balance here because we also need, I mean, those are dedicated team with the same skill set that knows the same question, but we also need to have a very strong focus on the cross-functional one uh, because you need, I mean, you could wish that one person could have all the skills you needed, but when you don't have that, you need to be smart on putting together your team uh, so that you have someone who is close to the market, close to business understanding, someone else who, who is close to the technology and, and knows what it can do and what it cannot do, um, someone who is, you know, um, more in, into legal to understand. <laughs> because we, we are quite often running into these questions nowadays. Is, is this an okay way of managing data or, or, or do we have to do it some other way and so on? So, so and also, and I have some background within operations, we tend to sometimes forget that there is someone in between the design and the customer, and that is the one who actually, the operation, the one who manufactures it. And it has to be realistic in that way as well. So the cross-functional team we need to step together. Uh, still keeping the agile speed and so on on, on the specialists dedicated to their task, but uh, I think we need to find a good merger in between. Let me specifically ask you now, you're mentioning legal. Um, how do you find people in legal that are kind of also a bit open and creative not creative in terms of uh, breaking rules, but, no. but seeing if, if digital moves into a new direction, which always mm. questions or challenges some of the older rules from yeah. the world before. How do you find those people that are more open-minded to finding a solution which still is mm. uh, manageable, but it is maybe challenging some of the old rules? I, 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 um, I love working with the legal. Uh, Basically, because they think very different than I do, <laughs> uh, but that's very good. Uh, they they, uh, they do see risks and they are concerned and they take a safety margin on every. Um, I would say I've seen a, a transformation the past years, though it used to be very um, strict interpretation of everything, uh, and then I was trying to go into the details and I had to draw. But we're actually this safe. We we could say on this level, then we should still be obeying all the rules and so on. Uh, and and uh, now I would say they are helping me in that journey, trying to see what is actually the minimum requirement and how do we stay on the right side of everything, but still are able to, to do the things we want to do and, and you know create the value we want to do. Because often when you talk about data, you have some legal constraints, which is, you know, putting you in a situation where you have to do it. But if you had the data you were wishing for, you could create more value for the customer. The laws are there for a reason, and they are to protect and so on, and we need to understand the reason and ensure that all the end users are protected and so on. Uh, but but uh, there is also opportunity to, to use more than you might think from the beginning, if you are too strict in your interpretation. Let me uh, cross over to startups and mm? uh, startup collaboration. You mentioned it in the beginning, uh, in the introduction of the interview, that uh, you also work and, and look for startups and collaborate with them. Mm? Uh, why? Yeah, um, no, that's a very good question. Um, 
it has become increasingly popular to work with startups, uh, and, and uh, we are, I had the opportunity to ask a number of OEM innovation hubs of what's their purpose, why are they doing it, uh, and and they came basically to three different purposes. Um, it was either uh, they wanted return on investment, which maybe would be a more venture capital thinking, uh, maybe not an OEM. Uh, uh, it would be access to technology, uh, which uh, I mean, we have a BMW garage, for instance, which has a very strong focus on, on trying to, to uh, ensure that they have access to the best technology when it emerges on the market. Uh, or it is culture. They see that these startups are able to innovate in a faster pace, uh, and they would like to see that they could have some influence on the internal way of working. Um, and I think they are all valid reasons. Uh, what I have seen, though, is that there's a trade-off, that you can't get all three of them perfect without, without doing a trade-off. It, it's, it's a matter of what kind of resources you need to commit and how much... Uh, how deeply into the organization you want them and, and, and so on. So. So uh, they are all valid purposes, uh, and you need to determine what you want to do with it. So what what do you want to do with them? Like kind of what is, is the, the scope and criteria to yeah. to select them? So 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 my criteria is uh, I am still um, I have two different tracks I should say. One of them is is uh, related to um, access to technology with a culture influence. So mostly technology, but with a cultural influence. And that's because, I mean, obviously we want to become better on innovation, uh, but it's also about us being there. We, we are not a venture capital company in that sense. Uh, so, so that's our perspective. Um, we still need to make a, should I say, venture capital estimate of the company, which we collaborate with, because we don't want them to go bankrupt before we've <laughs> seen if it's possible. Um, and then the other side of me, uh, you could say it's the same purpose, but it is about we want to see how our business can be disrupted. And, and uh, usually we're not very good at that ourselves. So if someone is thinking radically different than, than what the current transport industry is doing, uh, that is interesting for us to, to evaluate and see could this work? So, so the early attackers, right? The early attackers and see, hey, is it going to be airships that do transports in, in tomorrow's world, or what is it? This is uh, an, an intriguing question and uh, constantly needs to be evaluated. How do you do this? Are, are they also interested in, in, in looking and collaborating with Volvo, or are you only monitoring them? No, um, I, mean, I would say we are being approached by many of these companies that wants to... I mean, typically they want to replace a part of the logistic chain, and, and then they see a natural interface with, with a, a, a company like Volvo. Yeah, so, so I think it's, it's interesting to see that they have a, this concept, which is, you know, if it works and it could work everywhere, then it's totally disruptive. Um, but obviously, I mean, no startups have, you know, a plan for how they're going to conquer all transports in the world at the same time. S 
therefore they see a natural interface with the current uh, transport industry. Let me ask you, um, what is um, the what are the interfaces between kind of the corporate and the startup at the moment? You, you said something about culture being is one mm. part of it. Mm. How does that culture sip over, basically? Or yeah, uh, but it's interesting. I, I um, we are currently working in the way that we are trying to bring them in. We're trying to ease the process of bringing them in because we're not great at that, but we're trying to make it better. Uh, we want to work uh, either, you know, they at least spend some time in our facilities and working with them, or we try to send some of our people to their facilities or to their, uh, make a little proof of concept together. Uh, so so it's, uh, that's the target. Um, we have seen examples of, you know, when everybody brings them really, really into the organization, you're getting a culture transfer, but not necessarily this culture transfer you wanted, because I, I know Walt Disney did this, and they really brought them in, and suddenly the, the startup started to leave the office at four. <laughs> so it was, you know, was the other way one must have respect for that the majority will dictate the culture, uh, and therefore you can't really put uh, these small startups into a, a traditional industry environment and think they are going to change the culture you know these five people are going to change the culture of the 500 that that is uh, i think vanity <laughs> i think that way final question if you look at innovation um the last let's say 20 or maybe even 30 years or the last 10 years you can almost pick yourself uh, what has changed and what are the reasons for those changes mm. Let's see, there, there is the change of innovation coming from new directions. We talked about gaming industry and we talked about this. So it comes from new directions, uh, which our industry is not used to. Uh, that is a, a major transformation. We need to understand that, okay, how can we quickly adopt innovations rather than develop everything ourselves from scratch? New sources yeah. of innovation. Uh, to those new sources, uh, we, we're also seeing that the digital and the services, I mean, we, if you talk about servicization and so on, everybody used to have a product, now it's on a service. That has also been, probably for the past 30 years, people have been trying to create services, but not necessarily succeeding that much. Uh, and this, I mean, it would be following a normal hype curve in that sense. <laughs> First, everybody talks about it, <laughs> but very few actually does it. And then it's, you know, in the drain for a while and, and doesn't happen. But now I see it really starts happening. And a lot of these companies that have used to have products now have services. And I mean, everybody starts talking about, well, maybe you might not own your car tomorrow. You will be leasing a car when you need it or just the transport when you need it. Um, so, so that is the servitization. Um, and... and Thirdly, I think this, how you deliver this, about value constellations. Uh, we know that we can't offer the complete offer to the customer. We need a number of partners in this, and it's about uh, everybody cannot have the right um, knowledge and skill set. Uh, we need to find the right partners to do that. So uh, the value constellations to do a value offer uh, is really critical, and that is about building partnerships. Uh, those partnerships are not meant to be, you know, global and lasting forever. 
they are partnerships now and here to create value now and here. Uh, next city, next customer and so on, we might need to rebuild that constellation. Uh, but we, we need to understand how we can quickly do it. Did you want to add something more? No, that's fine. Okay, Johan, thank you very much for that uh, interesting and uh, pleasant conversation. Yeah. Thank you very much. The video version of this podcast can be accessed via innovationroundtable.online. The Innovation Roundtable online network is your portal to a wide variety of exclusive content, including video presentations, interviews, insights reports, and articles. Not only that, innovationroundtable.online is also a place where you can connect with other corporate innovators, share experiences, request collaborations, and gain inspiration from your peers. Our network is exclusively for innovation practitioners in large firms, so visit innovationroundtable.online to discover more and request your seven-day free trial account.